in difficult days, in uh, days of rebuke and chastisement, it is important for people, uh, it is important that we have men who understand the times, but it's not enough to understand the times. They need to be men who know what to do. And when it comes to the people of God, to know what to tell the people of God, whether they do it or not, uh, the trumpet sound must be clear. so that people can understand what to do and which way to go. This is part two. First Chronicles chapter 12, verse 32. And of the children of Issachar, which were men that had understanding, of the times to know what Israel ought to do. This is why I tell you people if you have a God called pastor he will understand the time, he will understand your situation and he will give you a clear answer as to what to do. And it won't take them all day. It won't take them all week. It won't take them all month. If he's a God called pastor. What a gem. Uh, if you have a God called pastor. To know what Israel, Israel ought to do. The heads of them were 200 and all their brethren were at their commandment. Shall we pray? Holy Father God in heaven, we pray in the holy name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Over here. Over here. Check this and check the sound on all three or four places. Holy Father, God in heaven, pardon me, Lord. Hallowed be your name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. And Lord, I cannot imagine a place I would rather be if you were to come back in the rapture tonight. And uh, Holy Father God, uh, so many things are happening so fast. Uh, Lord, uh, I thank you so much uh, for the privilege of being able to understand the times and what to do. 
and uh, Holy Father God, uh, I'm only here tonight because you want me to be here for others. I thank you for uh, the break on yesterday, the rest on yesterday. But I thank you also, Lord, for the mind and the strength to be here today. For those who are worried and are fretting and uh, do not know what to do and want to know what to do. They have been, so many of them, led by the blind, leading the blind. And so it is refreshing to their souls for somebody to tell them the truth, whether they do the truth or not. And so, Holy Father God, thank you for the previous uh, devotional service and the prayer services. And thank you for this... Uh, a magnificent day that started early this morning that you have given to us. Thank you, Lord, for giving us a mind to pray without ceasing throughout this day to go out and to pass out some gospel tracts. We pray that lost souls would be saved through those pamphlets. And Holy Father God, I praise you and I thank you for your love, your grace, and your mercy. On this night, I praise you and I thank you for your Holy Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, your Holy Spirit, and your Holy Word, and for all of the millions and many and manifold uh, blessings that you have indeed bestowed upon us. And Holy Father God, for those of us, Lord, who are saved and born again, Lord, I pray that you will continue to show us mercy as we individually and hopefully collectively confess our sins, our failures, and our faults unto you. For Jesus Christ's sake, please forgive us of our sins. As we from our hearts, by your grace, forgive others who have sinned against us. Crush and crucify, Lord, our wicked, evil, and ungodly flesh, and the old man within us as your children. In these last and evil days, Lord God in heaven, I thank you for the faithful few that you have given the ability to be faithful to you. I praise you, Lord, and I thank you for uh, your 7,000 who have not bowed the knee. And uh, Lord, help me to emphasize these folks more for the apostasy has set in big time as, we, as it is constantly being confirmed. And Holy Father God, we thank you for the faithful few, the 7,000, and uh, the remnant church. Lord, bless them tonight. Encourage their hearts. 
strengthen them in the faith. And Lord, we pray that you would rebuke and bind the devil, his demons, and his hosts. Lord, from them tonight. Rebuke and bind their persecutors from them. And help them to realize, Lord, even though they may have to go to the catacombs, they will not be alone. Uh, because you'll be there in the midst. Lord, like everybody else, Lord, I would love to see big churches, mega churches, uh, and the beautiful choirs and all of that like we have had in the past. We found out that uh, much of it is nothing but not, uh, uh, much of it was nothing but fluff. And now you are paring us down to the faithful few, the remnant, the 12,000, and the hirelings don't get excited about the faithful few. In fact, as you led me to predict, uh, they all have quit or want to quit. They're not church leaders anymore. They're church losers and leavers. And uh, Holy Father God, your, your true saints are standing up, truly saved, truly called, and they're more excited about serving you now than ever. And they don't have to have a crowd. In fact, they don't have to have anybody in the big auditorium. And we thank you for those faithful preachers. Lord, bless them and encourage their hearts tonight. And uh, Holy Father God, thank you for those men of God who understand the times. They are not rattled. They are not shocked. Uh, and uh, they are still helping people and ministering to people who are. And so, Holy Father God, we know in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and I can sense it, uh, the devil is busy. I know the devil does not want me to be here tonight. And uh, so, Lord, uh, and I know that, uh, well, most of those church leavers, uh, no doubt they're not watching me tonight, so... Uh, it doesn't matter whether they like it or not. But we do face a devil. We do have to deal with a devil. They used to call him the enemy because they didn't want to mention his name. Uh, the devil and Satan is busy tonight. Uh, as usual. And so, Holy Father God, we want to uh, expose him before you and we pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, that you would cast out the devil and the demons of hell and the satanic demonic spirit of Judas, Jezebel, Sanballat and Tobias Lord out of uh, all of the people here who have this problem 
Uh, Lord, I still pray for the true salvation of my wife, uh, who I am praying she would humble down on her own. I can, I can tell her to to uh, get saved and pray a sinner's prayer, and she would do it. But if it's not in her heart, uh, it's just going to be a perfunctory mechanical activity, and she's not going to change from it. You have shown me very clearly that people who truly get born again, Lord, whatever the commandments are that you place upon them from your word, they never have a problem with it. They may not do them all the time, but they will strive to do them. Because your commandments are not grievous, grievous, or to the saved, they're just not, never have been. And uh, uh, so I pray, Lord, for the genuine salvation of my wife, Marika White. Thank you for showing me for years that she's uh, a religious person, a church-going person. And she has done like I did and so many other people have done in ignorance. Somebody told them to get baptized. Somebody told us to get baptized. We didn't know what we were doing. Nobody explained salvation to us. Somebody told us to take the chair, religious, but lost. Dutiful in the church, but lost. Her aunt Cynthia, uh, was dutiful in the church, but my associate pastor thought she was lost. So much so he called her Lady Macbeth. And Lord, this is a very serious matter, not only for my wife, uh, but for millions of other people. The sweet evangelicals don't like to deal like this, but it needs to be dealt with. And so, uh, I have seen a tightening up of her behavior, uh, but it's probably because she has been exposed publicly as a religious person, but lost, and it's not anything to get an attitude about. It's, uh, uh, it is a loving thing to be dealt with about this on this side. I've been knowing it for many years. Now my children know why she acted the way she has acted. Not wanting to hug her children, not wanting to love her children, not wanting to feed her children in a timely fashion. Am I having to make her do things and do her duties? Uh, as a woman, as a wife, as a mother. And uh, these things are not so to be. And so that is not, these are not the signs of a saved woman. Over time, and at no point has she shown the fruits of the Spirit or the uh, fruits of a Christian. We have other people in our family who are the same way. I pray for my mother in the same way. I pray for my two sisters in the same way. In total disobedience to your word. All three of them. 
And uh, I have some children who are in disobedience to your word. They have uh, the wrong attitude, wrong spirit. And uh, uh, not showing forth a Christian spirit, the power of your Holy Spirit. So, Lord, I pray for the salvation of all of these and I pray for the salvation of millions of people in the church who are not saved. And Lord, we found out today that 63% of the pastors in the pulpit do not have a biblical worldview. And I believe the reason for that is they have never been born again. They have never been saved. We're trying to work with pastors, church leaders, organization, and um, uh, outreach organization have been trying to work with pastors and come to find out these pastors have never been saved. And we have just put men in position to fill a space who are not saved, not born again. It's better to have fewer churches with saved pastors than many churches with pastors not saved and just hirelings filling a spot. And so, Holy Father God, we pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that you would cast out the devil and the demons of hell and the satanic demonic spirit of Judas, Jezebel, Sanballat, and Tobias, out of my wife, Marika White, and others in our family who have that problem. And Lord, cast out the sins uh, that these demonic spirits produce, Pharaoh-style pride, stubbornness, rebelliousness, witchcraft, bad attitudes and bad spirits, uh, lying, dishonesty and deceit, thievery, and other foolishness. And uh, Lord, uh, down through the years, the sweet evangelical so-called church leaders Uh, have always wanted to blame it on the man. The man is the problem. If the wife is not happy, if the wife is not acting like a Christian, if the wife is not joyful, it's the man's fault. It is his job to make her happy. and Happy wife, happy life, lie. My wife is a witness, as you know, Lord, that I was happy before I got married to her, and I've been happy ever since. And, uh, and all men ought to be such. The husband and the wife ought to bring happiness, joy, and cheerfulness, and good cheer and peace to the table. And I thank you for the joy, the peace, the happiness, and the good cheer that you have given to me and blessed me with ever since I've been saved. Even after I got married and found out that my wife was deceived, 
God slipped the mickey regarding the gospel and has never been saved and is too proud to admit it, as is the custom of many Jamaican women and some Jamaican men, but mostly women. And so, Holy Father God, uh, I do pray that you'd give us sweet victory over the world, the flesh, and the devil. Tonight, thank you for a marvelous day yesterday and today. Thank you for a day of rest on yesterday. And Lord, help me not to be here long tonight. Uh, I do pray that you would give us sweet victory over the world, the flesh, and the devil. And uh, Lord, I pray that you would Save those who are lost, revive those who are saved, heal those who are sick, comfort those who are grieving and mourning still. In Buffalo of all places, of all places, Buffalo, New York, Lord, it still uh, seems so unbelievable what has happened there. And we pray, Lord, for the families, that you would comfort them as uh, only you can. And then we pray, Lord, for the church folks in Orange County, California, Wisconsin, always in Chicago, down in Florida, mass shootings, many killed, many injured, right here in this country called America. We're not in war yet. We pray for the dear folks in the Ukraine and other places around the world. And so, Holy Father God, we pray, help us to glorify your holy name. Help us to lift up your holy Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Grant me your energy, your strength, your unction, your anointing, and the power of your Holy Spirit to preach your holy word in a certain way uh, tonight and to stop when I may not feel like stopping, but so that others can get rest and I can get some rest as well. Lord, help me to stop even when I may not feel like stopping, but you want me to stop. And demonstrate the power of your Holy Spirit and Lord, I want to thank you again for allowing me to be here tonight with a whole lot of things going on. I cannot imagine being in a better place in light of the fact that you may come at any time or we may go to you at any time. In Jesus Christ's name we pray and for sake. Amen. Dr. A.D., uh, Dr. A.W. Tozer, a man that I used to read when I was a young Christian, very difficult to understand sometimes when I was a young Christian, I can understand him now, said a true and safe leader is likely to be one who has no desire to lead. <laughs> That's so true. That is so true. I, I wish you understood that.
I don't have to. I don't even have to know the people. If God will thrust you into leadership, people. God will use other people to put you into leadership. You know why Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was great and used by God? Because he was chosen by God to do what he did. And other people around him, they're the ones who say, you lead us. God touched their hearts to say, uh, you lead us. And, uh, and by the grace of God, he led he just wanted to be a, a good pastor. But is forced into a position of leadership by the inward pressure of the Holy Spirit. If you don't know anything about that, I can't explain it to you. But this is so true. A, a, a God-called leader, in most cases... 99.9% of the time, if not 100% of the time, they do not want to lead. They don't have a desire to lead. In fact, that inward pressure that Dr. Tozer is talking about is um, it's a blessing from God, but it can be, <laughs> Lord help me to say it right. Lord, help me to say it right now, Lord. At least annoying to the flesh, let me put it that way. The flesh be saying, no, I don't want to do that. I, I don't want to preach again, Lord. I've already told these people. These people are stiff-necked and hard-headed. But I, then the Lord says, I want you to go and say it anyway. I want I, Lord, I really don't feel like it. Well, I just go ahead and get your clothes on and go and do what I did. I'll make you feel like it. <laughs> and that's the only God only God does that. Only God can do that by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is a magnificent quote. Powerful, powerful, and so true. So true. And the press of the external situation. This, this is, I, I could just go ahead on and close out right now. Okay. So this, this is exactly where I've been for the past 12, 13 years. The situation is so bad. I have to do something. But the internal pressure is so heavy. From God, the Holy Spirit of God, I have to do something. So, so you say, well, preacher, how is it that you preach nearly every day for going on seven years? Because of this right here. What this man is talking about. He, he, he knew something. The internal pressure of the Holy Spirit will push you and, and, and nudge you to do stuff. Now, you can still refuse. But I've never, I've never heard of anybody preaching for nearly seven years uh, uh, every day. Nearly every day. In my life, I've never seen that. But God led me to do that. 
with that internal pressure, and the situation was so bad, and still is so bad, that I was led to do that. And the church is in such a bad situation. And I, I didn't know how bad it was. I didn't, uh, see, I didn't do any um, research. <clears throat> if you understand what I mean. I didn't, uh, I didn't do any researching. I didn't call Pew or That other guy, God just told me the situation was bad. Over half of the preachers are hirelings. Never called by me. It didn't come out until deep into the plague that we're in right now. The numbers, the facts that are horrifying. <clears throat> Over half of the pastors want to quit or have quit. Half of the churches are down. I mean, not not even meeting anymore. And most churches have do not see the crowds they used to, and will never see them again. And uh, today, a stat came out through Christian Post that sixty three percent of pastors do not have a biblical uh, worldview. That's a problem. That is a problem. If you don't have a biblical worldview, you're not going to be biblical on anything. You have no biblical convictions about anything. So when somebody like uh, myself come to you and tell you that this right here is wrong in the church and this is a sin, this is an abomination, you, you don't even understand what I'm saying to you. And that's where sadly many pastors are. And so ladies and gentlemen, I want to share with you uh, more about this passage. Uh, from Matthew Henry. And uh, I dealt with uh, some of it the other night. Uh, using Ellicott, who has a very interesting, intriguing way of writing and bringing out things. Uh, gifted in his own right. And... Uh, and so I wanted to share more about this passage with you tonight, and, and then that'll probably be it. This powerful uh, passage before I get into the... Uh, other part that I wanted to share with you, but it was uh, it was sad to read today that sixty to everybody same thing as you had them there before sixty three percent of pastors 
do not have a biblical worldview. One of the most interesting uh, books that I have read over the years in gaining the education that God has given me, uh, I don't know if I can recall the title, it's been so long that I have read it. I believe that everybody in my family has read it, The Neighbor Next Door or The Worldview Next Door, something like that. It's, it's a must-read for people who go to a, a Christian university, an out-and-out Christian university. And uh, sad to say, we've come to find out that some of our so-called Christian universities, uh, our presidents and leaders and uh, professors do not have a biblical worldview. And this is a problem. And I believe it comes from not being saved, not being born again, or at least not being discipled properly, which is a huge problem. Uh, I believe that the church that I I think had the greatest discipleship program was under Lon Solomon up at McLean Bible Church, where they set it up where once you if you got saved in that church you had to go through I think two or three years of discipleship. You know, you, you you were saved and you remember and everything. Uh, and uh, with all of the privileges, but you you had to go through some classes, and I believe every church ought to do something like that. Uh, our a Christian, I believe that many Christians would not be in the situation that they're in, because if the pastor does not have a biblical worldview. What about the folks who are in the pews? And so, and see, this is the reason why we, 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 we have a situation where pastors do not know the times. And so, therefore, they don't know what to do. Let, let, me, let me help you. And I love all of God's children. Red, yellow, black, and white, they're all precious in God's sight. But most pastors, our leaders on the ground, do not have a clue as to what is happening and what to do. That's why this message is so apropos. So let's deal with the text some more. First Chronicles chapter 12 verse 32. And of the children of Issachar, which were men that had understanding of the times, to know what Israel ought to do. The heads of them were two hundred, and all their brethren were 
at their commandment. And Dr. Matthew Henry said the men of Issachar were the fewest of all, only 200. And yet as serviceable to David's interest as those that brought in the greatest numbers. These few being in effect the whole tribe. For they were men of great skill, great wisdom, great knowledge, great understanding, great comprehension men who knew what was going on on a real sense. We're not talking about the man on the corner who says he knows what's going on. We're talking about, you know, men who really knew what was happening. Above any of their neighbors, men that had understanding of the times, to know what Israel ought to do, as I said to you before, it's not only good for men to understand the times, and we have people like this who like to know everything, and they try to research it out and study it out, but they still don't know what to do practically. And for men like this, this comes easy to them, so it is a gift from God. It's not anything that they studied for or worked for or, you know, did research on, God gifted them with the ability to know the times and to know what to do. It comes just as easy to them as uh, Doncic shooting that ball or Steph Curry shooting that ball. It's just reflex. And they know. And other people know they know. You can't fake it. Because God is the one who gave it to them. God is the one who gifted it to them. And they know. Normally they're men who are very meek and humble. Like Dr. Tony Evans who does not push himself forward and 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 so sometimes people don't hear what he needs to what what he tells them and what he tries to get across to them for five decades he's been trying to warn people about the foolishness that's going on in the situation and what how it's going to end up so when, when, when God uh, brings down judgment, when God, uh, Jesus Christ, brings rebuke and chastisement into our present situation, there are thousands of pastors who don't know what to do, he, but he knows what to do. He, he, he knows what's going on. 
while they were trying to say this and talking about we're going to rebuke the devil and we're going to name it and claim it and stop it in you know all of that foolishness he didn't do that he knew better than that he said it right this is the judgment of God on the church for our and America for our foolishness our sins not taking God seriously He knew exactly what to say and exactly what to do. And by the grace of God, I did too. But people don't want to listen. To this day, they don't want to listen. And so many of them, because they don't know what is going on, and they don't know what to do, they do anything and everything. And one of the dumb things they do is keep on going on like everything was all right, and they know uh, everything's not all right. It's not all right, my dear friends. They understood the natural times could concern, or rather could discern the face of the sky, were weather-wise, could advise their neighbors in the proper times for plowing and sowing and reaping, etc. They, see, these men can see things that other men can't see. And they think that the, all of the fires of the country uh, burning up, half of the country burning up every year is, uh, you know, that's just natural. That's some kind of climate change. And even if it was climate change, God is the one changing the climate to cause these fires to tear everything down and up to get your attention. Even up, even burning vineyards up, and everybody who reads the Bible knows that that's a judgment of God when you mess with the wine. <laughs> That's a judgment of God. It's not a curse. That's a judgment. I mean, I mean, it is a curse. It is a it is a, a judgment of God when God begins when when God starts to burn the vineyards up. Because contrary to my my sweet evangelical brethren and and Baptist brethren, wine is a blessing, not a curse. If uh, you use it in moderation. See, a, a, a wise man understands the times. He, he does not believe the lies of the secular weathermen and the secular presidents about what's happening. God is judging America. God is judging the church first. And America tied itself to God in God we trust and God is saying, oh yeah, okay, all right then. Somebody sent me a petition the other day to sign to keep in God we trust as our motto. I'm not with that. I think it's, it's blasphemous. We don't trust in God, and, and even in the church today, many people don't trust in God. 
See, see what you see. What you saying? What you thinking? Is that the church is some big, the big, humongous, mega churches across the country? They are the, the real church. That's not so. I believe the church is very small. The true church of the Lord Jesus Christ is not as big, and evidently is not as powerful as it could have been. Why? Because we did not obey two simple commandments of Jesus. The Great Commandment and the Great Commission. If we had just done that, we would be in good shape in the church, in the family, and in the world. In America, rather. Or the ceremonial times. The times appointed for the solemn feasts. Therefore they are said to call the people to the mountain. For almanacs were not then so common as now. They understood the times. They understood things like God gave me some years ago. That God deals in systems so... I started calling uh, grace the system of grace. God has a system of grace. And, and, it, and it involves many different things. Instead of just you thinking about salvation, it involves that and a whole lot of other things to get you along in your life as a Christian, as a child of God. God's system in grace, uh, of grace includes prayer. God's system of grace includes Bible reading. God's system of grace includes chastisement and rebuke. God's system of grace uh, includes his agape love, confession of sin, repentance of sin, the throne of grace, and on and on. God deals in systems. And if we operate within his system, uh, we'll be just fine. God has parameters. Uh, God has boundaries. And God intends for you to stay in those boundaries if you want to be blessed by him. You just can't do what you want to do in his kingdom and not suffer the consequences. Uh, now, who gave me that? God gave me that. I've never read that in any book. I, I hope somebody else has seen it. Or rather, the political times. <clears throat> These are not men who are jack-of-all-trades and masters of none. No, no. They just have a way about them that God has given to them, and they, uh, and they understand how everything is connected. Everything is connected in God's world and economy 
If something uh, happens over here, something's going to happen over here. These men who know the times, they, 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 they're not trying to be, pardon me, politicians or anything. They just know that when the church does not do right, it impacts politics. They understand that things are connected. And they understand that God is over all. Some years ago, our family started a publication, a news, Christian news publication. And the tradition is to just stick with Christian subjects only, church subjects only. God led me to do otherwise because he's the God over everybody and everything. God is not only in the church, God is in Hollywood, God is in politics, God is in blackness, God is in whiteness, redness, yellowness, and uh, God is in education, God is everywhere, he's over all of it. And a person who knows the times understands that, and so he can move in all of these different spheres with ease and can address them all from God's standpoint. You cannot train to do that. You cannot go to seminary to get that. That comes from God. That's why we miss Billy Graham. People try to accuse Billy Graham of kowtowing to politics. No, no, no. You don't understand. Billy Graham was a, 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 a true ambassador of God. Not, he didn't have a, a whole lot of degrees that he earned. Uh, he had great wisdom and knowledge and understanding. He had a vision from God and what God wanted done and if anything, excuse me, they kowtowed to Billy Graham. Presidents and for you to think that Billy Graham was impressed with presidents and queens, he was using them to do God's will in the earth. Billy Graham was from the hills of the mountains up in the hills, Billy Graham, Billy Graham, who, who God gave him a unique voice. His daughter has that same ability. It's not, it's not phony. It's not fake. It, it, it was not. It was not a hill. Let me just say it. It was not hillbilly talk. It was above his ability to speak. The voice that Billy Graham had was a voice that God gave him. The same thing with Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And it was above the Queen's English. He was not impressed with the Queen. He was trying to get the Queen saved. <laughs> Everybody he talked to, he was trying to get them saved. He would do his hand like this. Yes, yeah, sir. 
Uh-huh. Okay. Have you been born again? Just wanted to ask you that. He was, he was not arrogant with it. It was a gift. He did not see himself less than. He probably struggled uh, in seeing himself more than as a prophet of God over presidents, over queens. And you don't, you don't, you're not braggadocious about that. You're not proud about that. It's just the way things are when God calls you to do things. And you speak for God. Thank God for the life of Billy Graham. And there were others. We don't have many today. They understood public affairs, the temper of the nation. They were able to see it so they can tell it what God wanted them to know. And the tendencies of the present events. These are they who know the time. And they know what to do, therefore. And God is the one who gives them that from heaven. Have you ever heard Dr. Tony Evans explain things about, for example, race? No notes. <laughs> no notes. One of the reasons why he doesn't have any notes is because he's had to explain this to these people for thousands of times. And that is by the grace of God. Because at some point you would think, uh, people, I have told y'all this 10,000 times, and you want me to come again and tell y'all again, now that you're in a crisis, getting ready to go into a civil war. And see, this is why you need people like Dr. Tony Evans, a man who knows the times. Because he's been living in the times all of these years. You're the one who don't know what's happening. And, he, and just because he loves you and he pats you on the back and you know, shake your hand and do the shoulder jab, you think that everything is all right. <laughs> now, he knows everything is not all right, but he loves you. He has a pastor's heart. See, I'm not. I, I'm to the point. See, that, that's why I don't want to be around a whole lot of folks because some of you pastors, I would, I would, I would want. If I see you, I, I probably want to slap you for letting us, causing us to get into this mess that we're in. And that's right. Pastors have allowed this. Pastors have caused this. Whatever you're, if you were called or not called, I don't know. But you are responsible. For this mess that we're in. And I don't I don't like it. And it could have been I don't like it because it could have been prevented. God gave us decades to get our act together. That's why that's why I refer you to Dr. Tony Evans. He'll be more patient with you, more loving, and uh, and and so forth. And hopefully uh, hopefully he can he, he will help you. He's helped some already. And uh, 
because I, I, I would not be interested in answering any questions from you at all, sitting down for fellowship. I don't, I don't want to fellowship with you because I believe you caused the problem. And you still want to listen, and you want to still act like uh, everything was hunkadory. It's not. Now he's going to tell you the same thing, and he's going to say it in a much nicer way than I will. Because I, I, I would probably tell you, you need to resign. Well, what's going to happen to the church? What's going to happen to people? Don't worry about it. Leave that in God's hand, because you have. Uh, Running into the ground. We're in a mess, people. We're in a mess. It is the place of statesmen that they know the times in every facet of life. God can pour it into you like that. God has that kind of power, and God is the one who chooses who he wants to have it. I don't know why he chooses certain ones and does not choose others. I don't know. I don't have, no, I don't have anything to do with that. Those of that tribe were greatly intent on public affairs, had good intelligence from abroad, and made good use of it. They knew what Israel ought to do from their observation and experience. They learned both their own and others' duty. And interest. For example, you take Dr. Tony Evans. He is a pastor. That's why. That's that. That's that love. He, that smile, the shoulder jab, you know, and all of that. That's Pastor Tony Evans. <laughs> okay. Now, when he gets up to preach, and he says, seventy-five percent of the things he says is going to go across. Go, go, uh, is going to go against what you believe and what you think with fire and very cutting. That's the prophet Tony Evans, and then he uh, gives the gospel. That's the evangelist. He has three speeds, I only have one. <laughs> Oh, yes, it's not going to be a whole lot of that. However, I have to do the job of a pastor sometimes. I don't want to pastor people. I don't. But I have to do that. because You, you know why? Because you have not done it, sir. So-called pastor, church leader. You have not done it. You don't know what to do. Evidently, you don't know how to do it because you have not done it. It's not even coming into your mind to do it. People have to be discipled. And you need to do that systematically. You don't know to do that. You just gather everybody in. If they get saved on Sunday morning, they just come to church. And there's no class for them. Step one, step two, step three. You just gather them all in and think that 
you know, the fellowship of the church and the social aspect of the church will do it. It doesn't work that way. You have to disciple people intentionally, and you don't even know that. Uh, the other thing you don't know is you need to have a class on church history in your church. You studied it at cemetery, didn't you? Huh? Well, there's a reason for that. It will help stabilize your people and keep them in your church. They won't be uh, nosy about the Catholics and the Presbyterians and everybody else once they learn about them. And how we got to where we are. And so ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to have to cut it off cold. Because I have to go and get some rest. I've already had a wonderful meal. and uh, But I need to go ahead and get some rest. And I have some other folks around here who need to get some rest. And you need to get some rest as well. But the point is, the importance of having men who understand the times and who know what to do and how to lead the people of God. However, it is up to you to listen to them. What most of you need is salvation. You have gotten caught up in a whirlwind of false preaching, false gospel, false prophets, false pastors, you don't know up from down and down from up. I told my wife the other night, we were all in the car together. I said, I, I cannot explain to you why God has had me to do this. But I do know this. One Sunday, one dreary Sunday morning, out of the blue, while I was pastoring a church in Atlanta as interim pastor, I preached a message on hell one Sunday morning. And there was a beautiful couple in our church, young couple, beautiful baby. And on that dreary Sunday morning, this man who had been coming to church, we thought he was saved. And, uh, and this is the same church I met you in. And uh, had it all. They both had good looks. They had a beautiful house in Pork Chop Hills. Uh, on Pork Chop Hill. And they both had good jobs. And I preached on hell that Sunday morning for some reason. And that man came forward and got saved. And then on the next day, Monday, I, I got a call from my associate pastor. And he told me, did you know so-and-so died? I said, no, I, nobody told me. He said he died. He was walking into the door to the house. And he just killed over, or rather fell over, and died of a heart attack at like 32 years old. I had to bury that man the next week. Then I knew. See, I didn't know why I preached on hell that morning. The whole sermon was on hell. And this is in a sleepy 
rich neighborhood of Atlanta, Georgia. But God laid on, laid it on my heart heavily to preach that message. <clears throat> and I can remember the name of the message. Hell, do we really believe it? And nobody else moved. But he got up that dreary Sunday morning. Came forward and got saved. He went to heaven on Monday at around 31, 32 years old. Had the whole world before him. New baby, beautiful wife, beautiful house. They had a good relationship as well. So I, you never know why God is allowing things to happen the way they are happening. You just need to do what God leads you to do. And not worry about whether people like it or not. And as I told you, I can make my wife go ahead on and pray the prayer and so forth. But this is something I don't, I don't pressure people to do. God does not make people do it. And I don't have the, the power to make people do it. <clears throat> I can't make people do it. This is something that you need to come on your own. Humble yourself down and do. And maybe you need to do that tonight, my dear friend. You may be a pastor's wife. You've been lost all of your life. But you are ashamed to go before the people and say, I just got saved. <clears throat> you may be a pastor, a deacon, a trustee. And you're too proud to admit that you're lost and on your way to hell. All you really can remember is that your grandmom and them made you get baptized at 12. You didn't understand why you got baptized. You've been in the church ever since and you've been faithful. Do you know that, do you know that faithful people in the church have gone to hell? So if you want to be saved tonight, my dear friend, uh... If you're here with us tonight and you want to be saved, you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior, but you want to know him as Savior, allow me to show you how you can place your faith and trust in him for your soul's salvation from sin, the power of sin, and the punishment of sin in that awful place called hell. And I want you to pay close attention <clears throat> because 99% of you probably have never heard the gospel presented properly before. You have never heard that church people can be lost and on their way to hell. <clears throat> you know that you have acted badly down through the years. You know that other church folk that you are in cahoots with have acted uh, badly down through the years. Evil, uneven things. 
I was in church all of the days of my life before the age of 19. But it was, it was nothing. You, you must understand. It was nothing for us to run women in the church. Take them out and have sex with them after church. And uh, go get drunk and everything else. Be in the club till 5 o'clock in the morning. Fall off into the choir by 11. In a days. That happens all of the time. There are millions of people who go to church who are religious. But they're going to die and go to hell. Because they have never been born again. They have truly never heard the gospel. Do you know that many pastors, many so-called bishops and priests, don't preach the gospel? That's why we're in the mess we're in today. They preach on everything in the world. They snag a nice, cute title, and they never preach the gospel. And some people complain about Joel Osteen, but at least he, he's going to give you a little gospel at the end of his, uh, his sweet message. He's going to give you an opportunity to get saved. It's not much. But you can get saved from it, I believe. So for you tonight, understand this. And then you can go back and look at the politics on TV, which is a bunch of deadness and a waste of time. But anyway, uh, first, dear friend, here's what you need to do. You need to accept the fact that you are a sinner and that you have broken God's laws. God's Ten Commandments, which is a very serious matter. You may not think so, but it's very serious in God's sight. The Bible says in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We have all lied before, haven't we? Everybody of age, and we're not talking about a little baby. We have all lied before. We are talking about toddlers, because they lie all the time. You know that. We have stolen things before. Stolen things from parents, from family members, and then said we're going to pay for it later, and all of that kind of thing, which Jesus addressed. We have uh, lusted in our hearts, haven't we? I committed lust in the church after Jennifer. Jennifer was a little bit older than me, but she was fine to me. And she was beautiful. That was the only thing I enjoyed about church, and that and sleeping. for Once I, I, I finished uh, lusting after Jennifer in church, I went to sleep when the preacher got up to preach. Some of the best sleep I ever, ever got was when the Bishop Grant would get up and preach. So I, I mean, I was in church, but I was sinning in church. And uh, uh, we all have, at times, disobeyed our parents, dishonored our parents, disrespected our parents. We all have dishonored God. Uh, 
by taking his holy name in vain, and people are doing it today more than ever. Oh my! This is very common and 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 it's very popular because it's very powerful to say that. You, you know, you know, you, you're taking God's name in vain, though. You're not giving Him glory. Oh my! Blank eye. You're not gonna get me to say it. Second. Except the fact that there is a penalty, there is a punishment for sin. Now, if you pay close attention, you, you'll understand how to get saved and you'll get saved. The Bible states in Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death. In other words, your paycheck for your sin is death. My dear friends, you're going to die. You may not feel like you're going to die. Some of you may feel like you're going to die because you have the coronavirus right now. Or some other sicknesses and diseases. They're saying today that the dreaded disease monkeypox, which ought to, uh, I think they ought to change the name, is coming through sexual activity. You may have hepatitis now. You must understand that no matter what you have, sin is the reason why you will die. Now that's a revelation to some of you tonight. You think that it's all about getting cancer, avoiding cancer, and diabetes, and you're going to die of a car crash and so forth. That may be the means, but the reason why you die is because of sin. <clears throat> S-I-N. The wages of sin is death. We all, we all are going to die because of our sins. You can poo-poo on that. You can act like you don't want to hear it. But that's why you die. And God wants you to know. Listen to me very carefully. Oh, you think it's hot now? It's 93 degrees where we are right now. You think that's hot? It's hotter than this. Uh, a million times hotter than this in hell, my dear friend. But if God, what God wants you to know is that if he will allow you to die from this earth because of your sin, your fault, he will allow you to go to hell if you reject his son Jesus Christ, if you choose not to believe in him. It's your choice. Because, you know, you love darkness more than you love light, Jesus brought out. In other words, you love your sin. You love. Do you know there are people who love rebellion? Truly, really. Do you know there are people who love pride? Rebelliousness, stubbornness, they love it. They think they have some kind of power with it. You know, over people. They love hurting people. They love resisting people. It's nothing but pride, sin. So understand 
thirdly, you need to accept the fact that you are on the road to hell. And hell is a very real place. Jesus Christ preached more on hell than uh, anybody in the Old Testament and uh, anybody in the New Testament. He preached on hell more than anybody in the Bible. And sad to say, he has preached more on hell than most of the preachers living today. Have, when was the last time you heard a sermon on hell? Jesus Christ said in one of his major sermons on hell, in Mark 9, 43, 48, to show you how bad hell is and how wonderful and sweet heaven is. He said, And if thy hand offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter into life maimed than having two hands to go into hell into the fire that never shall be quenched. Where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. And if thy foot offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter halt into life than having two feet to be cast into hell. Into the fire that never shall be quenched, where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. And watch what Jesus Christ says here. And if thine eye offend thee, pluck it out. It is better for thee to enter into the kingdom of God with one eye than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire where their worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. Jesus Christ never lied, and Jesus Christ never played. He never played with the Word of God. God does not play games with human beings. Jesus Christ does not play. He certainly did not play when he went to the cross for you and me to pay our sin debt. He was not playing. That's not a joke. That's, you see, we're so evil... And so wicked, we think there's some kind of uh, uh, something funny about everything. Our minds have been destroyed. Our minds have been warped by the media. To think foolishly like that. Laughter has its place. Celebration has its place. But God's word has its place, and you need to take it seriously. It's up to you. You can you can make a joke, like I used to do before I got saved. Yeah, man, I'm going to drive the bus to hell. That's what I stupidly said. When we were riding home on the bus from high school. Oh, how stupid and how foolish I was. My next door neighbor and friend, a ball of steel, you wanted him on your team when you played real football back in the day. 
when we hit without pads, because we didn't have any pads or helmets. You don't want Junior to hit you. But he, he was my next door neighbor. Just a jolly person, a fun person, a happy person. And one day we were out in the river and he drowned. We all were up and he was down. He died one Saturday so many years ago. I believe Junior's in hell right now as I speak. And I deserve to be in hell. That's a fact. For I was more evil than he was as the pastor's son, the preacher's son. I know folks don't want to hear that, but that's the truth. Most preachers' children are the worst. That's all there is to it, and there's a reason for that. I don't have time to explain it. And I could have gone to hell out there. You know, see, back in those days, parents didn't even know where you were, what you were doing. You just went. If you want to walk across the, what we call the trussle, you know, that's walking across a river on the train track and no place to go. You look down, you see water. We did that many times, stupidly. And then the river that's beneath, we would go fishing down there, or go swimming down there. That's where Junior drowned. So many times, we had high-speed, 10-speed bikes, and we went all over the countryside. We should be dead, every last one of us, down in tunnels and everything else. Then when we got cars, uh, I bought a red Mustang. I thought I was bad stuff and almost killed myself twice. And the girl that was with me. I should be in hell. But somehow I got spared by the grace of God. In religion and lost. And then got saved by the grace of God. December the 19th, 1979. I was 19 years old. And I have not been the same since. And God can save you too. From that awful place called hell. If you would simply believe in him. Now notice I have not said anything about church membership. That means nothing. I have not said anything about getting baptized that has nothing to do with your salvation. After you get saved, you ought to get baptized, but that has nothing to do with your getting saved. So hell is bad news, but I have some good news for you. Jesus Christ said in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou you shall be saved. Get saved tonight. If you cannot remember a time that you felt under conviction about your sin like you feel right now, and you believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, if all you remember is some nebulous, unclear uh, shaking of somebody's hand or taking a chair at the front of the church and being frightened because of the small crowd of people, or you were made to get baptized for no reason, you just, it was a thing to do, 
you need to get saved right now. You never heard the gospel. Baptism is not the gospel. Church membership is not the gospel. Sitting in church and singing in a choir and going to Easter programs, that's not the gospel. You just heard the gospel. Jesus Christ preached it first and best when he said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So believe in him today. God loved you so much and loves you so much. He sent his only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, as the Passover the sacrificial Passover Lamb of God for everybody, not only the Jews. And he has taken away all of our sins. In other words, he paid our sin debt. All of our sins are gone. And all you have to do is receive him, believe in him, pray and ask him to come into your heart and save your soul in a very sincere, sincere way. Romans 10, 9 and 13 says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth of the Lord Jesus... And shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou you shalt be saved. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Not may be saved, shall be saved. You don't want to die with a maybe. You want to die knowing for sure that you have truly believed in the Lord Jesus Christ for your salvation and that you're going to heaven and not to hell. And so, dear friend, do that right now. Believe in your heart, in the Lord Jesus Christ, that he suffered, he bled, and he died on the cross for your sins. He paid your sin debt. Was uh, buried and rose on the third day. Now call on his name. Follow me in prayer. I'll help you with the sinner's prayer. Call on his name. Follow me in prayer, phrase by phrase, and mean it from your heart. Holy Father God, I admit that I am a sinner, as the preacher brought out. I have sinned against you. I've done evil in your sight many times. For Jesus Christ's sake, please have mercy and grace upon my soul. And please forgive me of all of my sins. Lord, I don't want to be just a church member. Or a person who got baptized without understanding. I truly want to be saved from the hell that I deserve. And saved to the heaven that I do not deserve. Lord Jesus Christ, I believe in you. I believe that you suffered, you bled, and you died on the cross for my sins. Was buried and rose on the third day by the power of God. The best way I know how 
Lord Jesus Christ, please come into my heart and save my soul from hell today. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and help me to repent of my sins. Help me to turn from my evil lifestyle. Help me to change. And help me to follow you, Lord Jesus Christ, into the new life. For it is in your holy name, Lord Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Now, dear friend of mine, if you believed in your heart in the Lord Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ suffered, bled, and died on the cross for your sins, was buried and rose on the third day, allow me to say to you congratulations on doing the most important thing in life, and that is believing in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. For more information to help you grow in your newfound faith in Christ, please go to GospelLightSociety.com and read my book titled, What to Do After You Enter Through the Door. Jesus Christ said in John 10, 9, I am the door by me. If any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. Dear friend, if you believed in the Lord Jesus Christ as he has uh, taught you and told you to do, as your Lord and Savior today, please email us at dw3 at gospellightsociety.com and let us know. We have some free material that we want to send you to help you to grow in the faith. And be the Christian that God wants you to be. If you have a prayer request, please email that to us as well. And we will pray for you until you tell us to stop. Until next time, my beloved, God loves you. We love you. And may God bless you real good is my prayer. If the Lord tarries is coming and we live, we'll see you tomorrow as we continue praying the long-running Praying Through the Bible series. Until next time, please pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. Keep your heart and mind stayed on the Lord. Read and meditate on the Word of God. Let's all stand for our closing prayer. Holy Father God, we praise you and we thank you. For your holy word. Thank you Lord for your Holy Spirit. That makes it come alive. In that special way. And Holy Father God. We thank you for your holy gospel. And we pray. That millions and millions. Would hear it and get saved. Before it is eternally too late. So that they will not spend eternity in hell so that they will have the blessing and the joy and the privilege to spend eternity in heaven with you. 
Help us to always glorify your holy name and to always lift up your holy Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, help our technician, give him the strength to send this message around the world on demand. In Jesus Christ's name we pray and forsake. Amen.